Welcome to Cross Defense. It's Monday yet again. We're back. 2 p.m. Central here on KFUO.org, 8.50 a.m. in the St. Louis metro area. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, admission counselor here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, broadcasting worldwide from the Seedorf, my office here on campus. And today, I have an interview with a, a wonderful guest who is just down the hall from me. He's I shouldn't have told you that. You could probably imagine in your mind, in your mind's eye, you could see us sitting here in my office in a nice little lounge area with a cup of coffee. Uh, no, no, no. He's in his own room. I'm in mine. But we're going to get this, this job done. It's the era of Zoom technology, and we can broadcast from wherever we want to, whenever we want to. The guest I have in mind for you today is none other than Reverend John Dreyer. You might know the man. He is an expert in the area of angels and demons, demonology, the study of angels from Scripture. He's spoken on it in a number of different forums and venues. He uh, has done presentations. He, too, is an admission counselor here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, a senior admission counselor. Many of you might actually have met him, known him. He gets around quite a bit. He's at all the different Concordias throughout the year. He is uh, pretty much... Everywhere the seminary goes, you might probably find Pastor Dreyer. Pastor Dreyer, how are you today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for uh, taking time out of the, your afternoon to uh, join us here on Cross Defense. It's a pleasure to have you on, especially uh, you know as we come out of the, well, I don't know, depending on who's listening out there, and most of us are Christian folks. So we're probably thinking All Saints Day and Reformation Day, but some might be thinking Halloween. As we come out of the Halloween season, people might have demons on their minds still. Our pop culture seems to get carried away with the evil and uh, the wicked, the monsters and the scary. But uh, so as we're coming out of that, it's kind of an interesting topic. Demonology, angelology. Can I just start this entire conversation with a simple question? How did you ever get into studying angels and demons? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, ever since I was uh, a little, I was always kind of a deep thinker. I wanted to understand what life was all about. And I would imagine I grew up, I woke up every morning um, kind of contemplating about my day, my life, um, what this is all about. And so I I really started getting into the sciences. You know, I grew up in a, in a, a Christian household, a Lutheran house, household. We went to church every Sunday. I did go to public school. I didn't have the, the opportunity uh, to go to a, a, a parochial school. And so I, I was kind of thinking about, okay, now what is this all about? And so I started um, studying science on my own. And I, I was a normal kid, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to figure it out. But I, uh, I actually, we had this old, what we, in my day, they called it a bomb shelter in our basement. Really? And it was just this, yeah, this one room. I mean, they weren't uncommon um, in, in, uh, in a lot of houses, but it's just, it's a, it's a room under the front porch. And, um, and so, but in the basement. And, and basically, my, my mom and my dad let me just use that room for whatever I wanted. And so I kind of built up a little lab, lab down there, huh? okay. as a kid would, just from a kid's level, you know. And sure. I, I had ecosystems uh, set up. I studied naiads, which are aquatic insects, and, and all these different things, trying to add books on biology. Um, 
And, and wow. so it's really kind of fascinating to understand life and to understand how things work and, and so on. Sure. And then I got into uh, writing NASA and I got into astro astronomy. What, what is space all about? What are all the planets and so on? Um, I could tell you all about the planets. I could tell you about the stars, you know, as a kid would. Um, I had books on it as well. And NASA would actually send back chart, uh, star charts. Um, they would send back uh, documents of, of their different, uh, like the Viking Explorer, I remember, to, the, to Mars. Do they ever tell you and, if we landed on the moon? Is that legit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a kid, I was thinking, is this true? <laughs> I, I think so. I, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember 1969 yeah, when we landed on the moon. Wow, and, fascinating. and yeah, I think it, it really is. And there, there's so much to learn and to understand. But as I, I was a, um, a good pious kid, though, and as I got older and you know, studied all these different things. I said, you know what? I don't, I don't really have a complete picture in my life about what this is all about, what life's all about. Just because I understand science and, um, as a kid would, and um, other aspects of life, um, I realize there's got to be a bigger picture. And if I'm going to understand this bigger picture, it's going to be the author of all these things, right? Uh -huh. The author of the world, namely God. Yeah. And and so I got into theology um, and and a little bit of philosophy, probably starting more so in in uh, junior high at this point and uh, or middle school, however you want to call it. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And and realizing there, there's this bigger picture. And and so I, I realized that even though I may want to go into the science field, uh, I even more so want to become a pastor. I love people, um, but even and and that greater life that we have before God through His and His own gracious act through 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 Christ Jesus and the life which we have. So I realized then that you know there, there's something bigger here, and I I went you know to college, uh, studied languages, um, and then uh, to the seminary in at Fort Wayne here, um, as well as in Germany and. And then I continued kind of studying on my own and also German philosophers and theology and, and so on. But then when I got out into the ministry, I said, you know what? I don't have a complete picture here. What <laughs> there was ain't... more to learn. There was still yeah, more know, to learn. Yeah, I know. I know. I said, here I'm thinking God and theology. But I said, well, what do you do with angels? Uh, what do you do with archangels? What do you do with demons? You know, and I realized, you know, Growing up in a Western culture, we're, we're kind of rationalists, right? Sure. We uh, try to rationalize things. Um, I think that's partly the difficulty why we have a difficulty expressing the Trinity to one another. We either use kind of a multiplication, like one God, three persons, which is true, or we default and say the Trinity is a mystery. And there are, there are better uh, ways, I think, to speak about the Trinity in a very meaningful way. But I realized there were this rational culture was kind of limiting my focus, okay. um, the Western culture, to this greater picture, uh, again, of angels and demons. So this is where I entered into this kind of topic. What, what are angels today? You know, what, what are demons and, and so on? And the, the other aspect, too, you know, to realize there's, there's a, this bigger picture. What about our soul? What, what does that mean? And, and uh, 
you know, of course, we're not just flesh and blood, but we also have a soul. Um, we belong to something, a world that's that's a lot bigger. And so this is where I got into um, studying uh, what some people call Christian metaphysics okay. to understand this this uh, spiritual world. Um, how do we understand the material world and the spiritual world, and how do they, where do they meet, and how do we understand this? And 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 the other, the other thing is too, I realized that even amongst Christians, we had a hard time articulating the purpose of angels. And right. it, yeah. it, it, it's interesting. And it wasn't the. I was talking to an older pastor. He said even the '60s and '70s, a lot of people, um, you know. Missouri Senate Lutherans didn't really exactly believe in angels uh, or demons. Really? Yeah, because okay. it was kind of growing, uh, kind of the rationalism, right? Uh, the, the, nobody, they kind of felt that it was a little bit superstitious. Or I actually have a lot of older people confront me uh, and ask me, why do, you, why do you study that? Like, it, it's really weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Uh, but, you know, uh, studying, you know, what— uh, you know, studying about angels or demons, and then they they kind of either say that's fascinating or they look at me kind of funny. Uh, do, you, do you find in these conversations that people tend to put angels and demons into the category of fairy tales and fiction? Like, yeah, mentally they kind of that's how they categorize them. Yes, yes, actually, yes. Okay. Uh, to my surprise, a little bit, right? Okay. okay. Um, as I interact with people, yeah. I think predominantly because they don't know uh, where the place of angels and demons or how to make sense of them. Um, so I when mean, they I ask think, you why you study it, what do you what do you say? Well, I well because well for a number of reasons. One, I mean certainly angels and demons play a role in the holy scriptures, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean as as Christians, they are essentially part of our understanding of of our our faith in life and 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 the bigger and broader picture of what we that that world in which we belong to as baptized children of God. And so I think this is where I kind of I first say, well, look at um, we we see angels in the Old Testament into the New Testament, and and how can we make sense of this, you know, and how do we understand how it all fits in. But I think the bigger picture is, um, you know, in Western culture, we talk about sin, right? And a lot of times, mistakenly, we see sin merely as a moral issue, right? And and uh, and so we we kind of uh, we can talk about sin, and even maybe a pagan can understand what we mean by sin, right? Sure. <laughs> about being a good moral person or not a, not a good moral person. A rational culture can can understand sin in this way, you know, following the Ten Commandments is the nature of sin, and so on and so forth. And I think we're able to kind of um, rationalize a lot of these things, but but people just again don't know how to speak about angels. They don't know how to. Uh, uh, where to begin with the subject? They seem to, and uh, and they feel that at times after the Bible, these things aren't really a part of so the do, reality. Do you think because of our Western culture and the way we think, just in general, do you think we're we're drawn to start with the body like you did? You started with science. You started with the study of the physical. Uh, right, and and it led you then eventually into the spiritual realm, which is as you said so wonderfully you're part of that bigger picture do you think it's our our, our western worldview or or something like that that attracts us to the things of the body 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, th there's a couple of different aspects here. I think um, this life and this world is far more real to us than God. I also, when I, when I, <laughs> when I uh, talk to groups on angels and demons, I will say, you're, you're more real to me than God. <laughs> I have to interact with you. I got to look good. I got to give a great, you know, great presentation. And after the presentation, I have to, might have to deal with struggles in my life or deal with a circumstance or not know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, and all of a sudden, this life and this world tends to give me, sh uh, shape me in my thinking, my attitude, my reactions, my formation than a greater life that God has given me through his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I think in Western culture, science is more real. Um, mm. These things, the material things are more real to people. And so as a growing secular culture, I think people, um, they don't know how to think religiously um, as well, or they don't know where to begin on the topic or, or discussing a topic. For example, I was talking to a guy who thought he was an atheist, uh, not too long ago. Right. And, okay. and he, um, in the conversation, I, uh, uh, at the beginning of the conversation, I, I, I said to him, I said, well, I said, I'm, at the end, when we're finished talking, I'm going to take your life. And he, of course, anyone would got to jump back and go, what? <laughs> and I said, well, no, I'm just, he knew I was making a point. I said, you know, basically, I said, uh, you're just a consequence of nature. And I said, um, it wow. doesn't matter if I take your life or not. Wow. And I said, but, but I said, from a Christian understanding, from a Christian understanding, and I began with God and so on and so forth, from a Christian understanding, through this, I gave the gospel and, and so on. And, and when we're at the end of the conversation, he goes, wow, I never thought of it that way. And I think, I think people in a growing secular culture, um, people don't really know how to speak religiously, where to begin the conversation. And and um, how to how to understand it from a, a um, yeah from a non worldly view right which is from, yeah and that's why you're here today we're actually you know we're talking about equipping the mind right that's the part of the show I haven't even I didn't even really get to get the tagline of the show out I was so excited to talk to you about this topic but you know on this show we equip the mind we excite the imagination and we comfort the soul and everything you're talking about right now in this first segment is we're talking about equipping the mind. Getting people uh, with God's word, you know, shaping our minds to see that there is more to this life than just the body. That there is a, a whole bigger picture out there. There is a spiritual side, a, a soul, right? You and I have, have more to us than just the flesh and blood. Not that that's not important. It's very important, right? But, but there's something else there too. We're, we're more than just uh, a consequence. What did you tell the guy? A consequence of nature, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so talk to us a little bit about the soul. We're, we're about, uh, we have about three minutes or so before we want to take our first break. Uh, bring the soul into this equation as we keep it focused on angels and demons and the bigger picture. What can you tell us about that? We're more than just science minded, you know, even though that's where we want to default, we're also spiritual beings. Yeah, that that's right. I think when I speak on angels and demons, I begin, uh, and, 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 so I'll tell the Christian crowd, I would say, you have a body, but you also have a, a soul. soul. And I said, is this a matter of science? And uh -huh. they'll say, no. They would say, no, it isn't. I mean, there's something bigger here than mere science that we, that we belong to. Now, how do we understand the soul? Well, maybe from God, who has given 
given us life and breath and the one who has who has who has um, given us uh, this, this greater life as he has through his son Jesus Christ our Lord that we actually belong to, to something bigger and I think when that when that realization hits, then we realize that science is very limited in, in understanding of um, who we are and what we are, what we have become as Christians, that we, we actually belong to something bigger, and uh, that we're both uh, body and soul. And I think it's kind of interesting, too, as we look in Scripture. Uh, in the Old Testament, the word soul means your whole being of who you are both in what we would say body and soul, nefesh in Hebrew. Okay. Um, but in the New Testament, we, we make these kind of distinctions in the New Testament, uh, both uh, body and soul. And uh, so when we talk about angels and demons, and we see uh, in uh, Mark chapter 1, for example, we also see this in Luke, for example, where where Jesus is exercised. The first thing Jesus does after being baptized and getting his disciples, now he's going to teach his disciples what the ministry is all about. Mm. And then the first thing Jesus does is does an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then he heals Peter's mother-in-law, <laughs> which is... Um, and why, why does he first uh, deal with uh, the, the welfare, the soul then of the body? Uh, which is a very, I think, is a very fundamental question. Well, I think Jesus knows that that we're very much attracted to our body. If you, Pastor, if you found out that you're going to die tomorrow, uh, it would probably change your day today. Yeah. <laughs> the things that you do with your family, your wife, and so on. Right. Um, in many ways, uh, our body very much informs us, or if we got sick today and these kind of different things. Uh, but sometimes it's easy to neglect the welfare of our own soul. Right. I mean, we can uh, forget to pray, to acknowledge God, go to church, uh, receive of his gifts uh, for the welfare of our soul. But our bodies tend to inform us a little bit more. We're attracted to the things of our body. And, and, and a lot of times in the matters of flesh, that's what the Bible talks about in regards to sin and these kind of things as well. But, well, but mm -hmm, go ahead. Let's wrap that up and then let's take a break and we'll come back and talk some more. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Uh, you're listening to Cross Defense here on KFUO.org or your favorite podcast app or 8.50 a.m. On, on the radio dial in St. Louis. However you're listening to us, you're listening to us. And uh, it's my pleasure to bring, to bring to your ears the Reverend John Dreyer. We're talking angels and demons. We'll be right back. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Angels and demons. Demons and Angels, that's the topic of today's show. You're listening to Cross Defense. I'm your host, the Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. We're joined today by Pastor John Dreyer, an expert on the topic of angels and demons. This is the show where we excite the imagination, we equip the mind, and we comfort the soul. Not necessarily in that order, but that is the order that we're working on it right now. We're in that second segment, which is exciting the imagination. And why? Because, let me tell you why, my friends, let me tell you. 
because we have a fierce foe out there, a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross, period. That's it. That's what this show is all about, bringing you scripture, bringing you a way of thinking about it, a way of addressing what you're going through and ultimately bringing you the comfort of Christ that the devil would run away with his tail between his legs, scurrying into the shadows like a cockroach about to be stepped on because that's what our Lord does with the cross. Today, Reverend John Dreyer is talking to us about how we can understand that we are more than just bodies. We are also souls. We live in a world that is much bigger than we can perceive with our physical eyeballs. We are part of something that includes creatures that are invisible to our human perception as we think about it typically. Something you couldn't study in a bomb shelter in uh, the early days up there in Wisconsin <laughs> as you're riding to NASA. Uh, something that you had to only learn about from Scripture and trusting God's Word, angels, and demons. Pastor Dreyer, this topic is one that certainly excites the imagination. Uh, you, you just mention the word angel or you just whisper the word demon and all kinds of images flood your mind. You know, a pop culture has run with these, these creatures to, to all kinds of different places, right? They're the things of horror movies. They're the things of cartoons. You, I think of the, uh, the angel and the devil figure that would sit on little cartoon shoulders, right? You get the, the, the guy in the white robe and the halo. And then on the other side of the shoulder, the, you have the, the red devil with the pitchfork, right? We have these, these caricatures. Tell us real quick, as we start to talk about the imagination, exciting the Christian imagination to really address this topic. Tell us, what does scripture say about what angels and demons look like? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would, um, there, there are a lot of different imageries that we see. Um, we see angels uh, like St. Michael, the archangel in Revelation uh, 12, where it's a battle scene against the serpent, namely the devil. And we see, um, you know, at the, at the tomb, right, when the ladies went to the tomb and they're fearful because they see the angel. Yeah. Um, angels, um, angels in the Bible are, um, their attention's always upon God. And okay. the things of God. So matter of fact, I mean, the word, there, there are a couple of different avenues we can take a look at this. For example, the word St. Michael um, means one who is like God. I mean, St. Michael's attention are those things of God. Um, you have Gabriel, which means man of God or God is strong. It's always drawing our attention back to God. And, and this is really the purpose of the angels. They're the messengers of God. And, and they're all about God. And it's interesting, probably the best passage to kind of express, um, do, do, do we have guardian angels, for example? Oh, yeah. And yeah, in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, right, uh, where it talks about um, the angels um, and giving this kind of picture that they, they're watching over the children. But also, um, even more so, the passage says, uh, the angels see the face of God the prosopon, right? The face of God. That means these angels are actually in the very, very presence of God. And they're, and they're pictured really not as these kind of, um, 
these kind of you know weak and dainty kind of figures that we see a lot of times, but they're they're really uh, they're really you can imagine that they're really huge um, and and mighty because they are they are the messengers of God. I remember when I was real little, I was I uh, uh, I got my own little my own room uh, as a little boy, and I remember laying in bed and and uh, I was afraid to go. Uh, to, to see something scary, so I was afraid to be above my sheets. And then I would, I would, I would cover uh, my my face with my sheet. But then I was afraid someone's going to touch the top of my sheet. And uh, well, this was last night actually. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, I was I was really afraid. And then I remember uh, Luther's uh, evening prayer. I picked up the catechism um, yeah. kind of on my own as. Yeah, let the holy angels watch over me that the evil foe may have no power over me. And as a little kid, I, I imagine God's angels were huger than any demon or scary thing in my room, hmm. that God was bigger than all this, and that his heavenly angels would watch over me so much that I, as a little kid, I would get out of my bed and walk through that towards that thing that I think I'm scared of, or that little image or what I see in my closet, just to make a little point uh, to me. But this is really in the biblical sense. I mean, the, these, these are messengers of God. And, and, in, and in Hebrew, malak, and in Greek, um, uh, angelos, they both mean messenger and divine messengers of God. And, and so uh, we see the angels over the fields of Bethlehem proclaiming the good news, glory be God in the highest and peace and goodwill towards men. Uh, we see the, these, these beautiful imageries um, of these angels, but they're messengers, okay. and, which I think is really important. Like the word gospel, right? The gospel, E-U, oi, like eulogy, beautiful saying about somebody. You're right. E yeah, oi, and then angelos, messenger, beautiful message or good news, right? And and this is exactly what the angels do. They bring good news. They they might uh, bring judgment uh, uh, as well, but but they are doing the service of God in this way. So the idea is that when we think about angels, we think about God. That that's their that's their job. Their, their duty is about God. And, and um, you know, talking about the rite of exorcism, some rite of exorcism, say, oh, St. Michael, come down and, you know, blah, 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 right, blah. Right. But there, there's nowhere in the Bible that, that we command angels. Only God commands angels. They're, they are so ah. tightly knit uh, with who God is that only God is the one. So in our in Luther's prayer that I said earlier, right, we're asking the Lord, right? Oh, Lord God, most heavenly Father, this is please have the, yeah. Ha mm -hmm. So so like the, the arrow, if, if, if I could diagram this and maybe the listener can follow along, I'll, I'll try to keep it simple. Oftentimes the misconception is that you would pray to the angel. So the arrow would go from me to the angel who then would ask God on my behalf whatever I'm requesting, right? So the arrow would go through a mediator that's the angel to God. But when we stop and think about it biblically, it makes much more sense. It's very clear from all of Scripture that really the arrow goes from me directly to the big guy, God, and then he yeah. sends the arrow, you know, he, he directs the angel to do whatever it is that, you know, he wants done per our request. So when we say, Lord, send your angels to watch over me, 
I'm praying straight to God, who's then sending out the, the messenger with the task to do. That makes so much sense. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I never yeah. thought of it that way. That makes perfect <laughs> sense. You, you got to go yeah. to, uh, you know, if I'm going to send out the troops, the general's the one who sends out the troops. So I'm not going to go ask the private, hey, would you go ask the general if you could send the troops? Because the private's never going to like, I mean, the, the process to get that done is going to be very cumbersome. But if I just go straight to the general and you know say, hey, send the troops, much more quickly done. Aha, thanks, thanks, Pastor. Thank you. This is good. <laughs> okay. uh, so speaking of this, and since I totally derailed what we were talking about, <laughs> as I, my privilege as a host, I guess, uh, <laughs> I understand you and I have had some private conversations. I understand you're writing a book. Could you talk to us a little bit as we're talking about the imagination and exciting the imagination on the top? imagination on the topic of angels and demons. What are you writing and how does that relate to this? Yes. Um, I'm writing a book right now called the joyful exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just soak that in for a second. The joyful exorcist. <laughs> okay. Uh, take us, take us somewhere with that. That's great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, um, well, first of all, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, um, well, to kind of wrap what we were talk just talking about before and yeah. now the name of the book, uh, we also know that angels uh, can be human beings as well. Like like mm. John the Baptist is called an angelos, an angel, right? Yeah, A and revelation. of the faith, yeah. Yeah. And then in Revelation, right, every pastor, uh, the head of each church is called an angel, right? So I always remind the, the people that that angel is the pastor and all pastors are angels, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but... But they're they're messengers of that good news. And as much as the 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 angels proclaim the heavenly angels proclaim the good news, uh, so so the pastor, also from God, uh, is commissioned to be sent out to proclaim the good news uh, to the people. Well, when um when when a pastor does an exorcism, and I know it, it's kind of an interesting thing, you know, when you think this through. Um, a lot of times, you know, when I go home in the evening, I'm a single guy, Pastor. And when I go home, I got all these books, you know, on angels and demons and hell and <laughs> all these wow. wonderful things. Yeah, yeah. Is that right there next to your headboard? No wonder you need yeah. sheets to cover up your face. It might explain some <laughs> things, huh? <laughs> but it, it's it's really interesting, Pastor. Uh, all these books, um, a lot, almost all of them talk about spiritual warfare because mm. in kind of um, in the Western rational culture, we're kind of dualists. We see things in opposites. Right. Um, um, and and so good and bad and so on and so forth, light and darkness, hot and cold and these kind of things. And and uh, but really is is um, is the hot opposite of, of cold heat or heat no uh you know cold is the absence of heat we can't necessarily per se measure cold but we can measure heat like thermodynamics or okay. light and darkness right um are they opposite no darkness is the absence of light uh can you measure darkness no but you can measure light and right light years and these kind of things right uh, they're not per se opposites um and uh and it's the same thing when i ask people who's the opposite of god they would say, uh, the devil. And I said, no, God has no opposites. The devil wants us to think that he's an equal opposite to uh, uh, to God and that he is just as, 
as authoritative and all these different things as God is. And but you don't you may not realize the fact that that we actually um, are the demons are fearful of us. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds kind of funny to say, yeah, but, I don't but think you're, about that. You're, yeah, you're a baptized child of God. And and um, and in fact, um, uh, yes, uh, demons are, are fearful of us because and and so the devil tries to um, as he tried to do with Adam and Eve, the, the devil tries to do the same thing with us to turn our attention away from God because he's fearful of us and and because we're baptized children of God and these things. So when a, when a guy when a when a pastor goes in uh, to uh, to do an exorcism, for example, is there a conflict going on? Is there a spiritual warfare? Yes, just like all those books on my wall, they'll talk about spiritual warfare. But most of those books, I guess I didn't get to this point. Most of those books on my wall, however, miss that one point, and that is, as you Christians or Lutherans know so well, <laughs> that even though there is a battle in the room, the battle's already been. One than one yeah. by Christ in his death and his resurrection and and the battle's already been won. And so when an experienced uh, pastor goes in, he goes in like an angel. He's going there to like as if that pastor's walking up to the pulpit with the same confidence of the word of God in the matters of law and gospel. He is there to declare the victory won in, in Christ Jesus, the battle won. And, and this is really where um, that we, uh, uh, as he declares this battle uh, won, he is not there per se to win anything. He's there right. simply to, to proclaim. And that's where the gospel's on his lips as an angel. And that's where the name of the book comes from, Joyful Exorcist. Joyful Exorcist, Exorcist. yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. That, yeah. that's a good distinction to make, too, uh, for any of our listeners out there. And, you know, I know seminarians learn this here on campus, you know, we're not going out to win the battle. We are going to battle, so to speak, but Christ won the battle on the cross. We are, we are much more like, uh, and I always struggle to find a good analogy for this, but uh, I think the closest I can come is, you know, we're like, we're like, you know, post Geneva convention, we're going out onto the, the battlefield to declare that the war is over. And there's going to be some enemy combatants Correct. who don't want to hear that. And they're going to fight, fight against that. But, the, the war is over, and, and that's it. It still takes a man of metal to go out onto that battlefield and declare that, you know, it's done, guys. Put down your guns. It's over. Because they might not want to hear that news, and they're going to fire away, and that's what the demons are doing, right? They're, they don't want to hear that that's over. They, they, they want to inflict as much damage as possible on every everybody they can. But that pastor, oh, man, you painted such a good picture. That joyful exorcist can can step into the pulpit or to the baptismal font with confidence and just announce, proclaim what Christ has done. And what can what can happen to that man? Nothing, nothing. It's already over. So tell me a little bit then. We're talking imagination right now. And, then I, and all of this is super exciting to the imagination. It's it's piquing my my curiosity and getting me thinking in pictures and, and uh, in, in a scene that I've never really thought of before. What do you tell a man who's you're facing death? You, you, you brought up, you know, if as we were talking in the first segment about the body, we tend to be attracted to the things of the body. You brought up death. And if, if you find out today that you're dying, you're going to have a different outlook on life. So in terms of the bigger picture, uh, a man's dying. 
and you're trying to you're trying to point out to him be, in this whole language that's bringing up angels and demons, this bigger company of heaven and things like that. What do you tell them? How do you how do you approach a man who's dying and and give him the comfort that comes from this uh, your study of angels and demons and this joyful exorcism language and things like that? Yeah, yeah, and and essentially, um, I, I will uh, respond to that here. Uh, essentially, this is kind of what the book is about: is how do we see that we belong to something bigger? And I was I and and this is something I I did with a gentleman. Actually, his name was Bob. He was. He had small cell cancer around his lungs, hmm. and he um, and I knew that he was going to uh, suffer, um, try to breathe, um, and and eventually die. I mean, it was, it was a terminal ish situation, and his wife and children are at the hospital trying to find some alternatives uh, to his uh, situation. But I think everybody knew there weren't any alternatives, hmm. so it was just me and and the, the individual who was dying, and then I. I I had, I don't know why, I had a piece of paper and and uh, and a pencil with me, and I drew a dot, and I said, Bob, I said, that's your eventual suffering and death. And he goes, okay, pastor. And then I drew a big circle around that dot, and I said, Bob, I said, that's your life. Who's in, in, in uh, that big circle? He goes, well, God. And I said, that's right. He goes, my wife, my children, uh, and... Um, and my loved ones and so on. And I said, that's right, Bob. I said, so how are you gonna understand life by the dot or by the circle? He goes, the circle, pastor. And then, um, and then actually, then I gave him the sacrament and then he, <laughs> he, he got it, right? He's part of this bigger picture with the angels and archangels, all the company of heaven. Yeah. And then, and then uh, typically what I do is then I leave right before the family comes back. And this is what I did because it was our time between him and I, right? Right. And, and all of a sudden I get a phone call from his wife <laughs> uh, and I go, oh, and he goes, pastor, what'd you tell my husband? <laughs> and I go, well, I, I, uh, I said, we just had a conversation and she goes, I don't know. He's so happy now. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. And this is the way, you know, um, this, this life, uh, in this world, our, our struggles, our problems, our dying, our, 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 um, our temptations that we have in this life so much can take our attention every day. And that we're so focused on the dots in life, right? Wow, I yeah. mean, we're so focused on these these little things, and and become they become to shape us, to warp us at times, or or um, to struggle that we struggle, we feel lone, lonely in these kind of different things. But then um, when we're when we're mindful of stepping back and seeing the circle, you know, we're mindful of understanding that we're part of something bigger. Um, yeah. then we can, ha we can understand these things, even our, those little dots in our life from a, from a, a bigger lens, a bigger picture of that greater life that we belong to as baptized Christians. Amen. And, well, let's leave it right yeah. there. We'll come right back after this. Don't go away because Pastor Dreyer is already bringing us into the third segment, comforting of the soul, which is good stuff. All these things are connected. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The USA is the third largest mission field in the world, and church planning is one of the most effective means of making new disciples, new missions to new people in new places. Get ready to plow the fields. Check out the Mission Field USA podcast produced by the LCMS Office of National Mission. You can find it at kfuo.org or anywhere you get your podcasts.
We're back for our third and final segment of the day. Cross Defense is what you're listening to right here with your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, and our amazing guest, Pastor John Dreyer, talking to us about angels and demons. You heard about his upcoming book he's working on, The Joyful Exorcist, which got us into the dots of life, not seeing things as just the dot, but to expand your imagination, to expand your outlook, and to see things within the circle, within that bigger picture. What a wonderful way to approach death and all the sins and fallenness of this world and to be able to move beyond that and to understand that we have a limited perspective. And so we can address things as pastors, as Christians, we can do things and address things in a way that brings us comfort, that gets to that, that point where we are at the foot of the cross asking for Christ to help us, to relying on him and his grace and all the gifts that the Lord has to give us. As we move into this third and final segment, we want to talk about comforting the soul, which we were getting into already. What a wonderful story Pastor Dreyer told us about the pastoral counsel he brought to a man on his deathbed and how his understanding of angels and demons and the bigger picture was a big crucial part of that. And, and he, I, I love this. You, and you mentioned it just in passing, Pastor Dreyer, how uh, you then gave him the sacrament. And and that is that is how we are brought into the big picture, right? I mean, really, not just not just ideologically, not just like a mental, like imagining ourselves there as if it's not true, but we're exciting the imagination to be able to realize it is true. And the sacrament is what makes that true as the promise of Christ is there. Where he is, there is heaven. And where heaven is, is the whole host of heaven, right? I mean, the angels and archangels and all of that stuff. Is that how you uh, see communion? I mean, every time a guy like you who studies these things, who's think your your bookshelf in your bedroom with all those <laughs> those interesting <laughs> books. I mean, your imagination and how you when you approach the rail, is this your perspective? That there are angels all around there with Christ and every everybody? Uh answer is uh yes. And and <laughs> <Love> it's it. <laughs> and oh. uh it's kind of funny because like when I teach in angels and demons, I said, you know, sometimes you go to church and and we go to the Lord's Supper uh for the reason of why you know, Christ gives his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. But I always ask uh, the class, I said, don't you, when you go, don't, when I go into church, I see angels and I see archangels. I see all the company of heaven, all those who died in the Lord. I, I said, don't, don't, don't you see that? <laughs> and everybody's kind of staring at me kind of funny, like this guy, uh, uh, who how is am I supposed guy? to what, take what this? I know, I know. <laughs> But th but this is a truth of our faith and our life, right? Where the world sees bread and wine, we see body and blood. The world just simply sees us going through this ritual. We see king the kingdom of heaven uh, in which we belong to, with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, which is, which is a real vision of our faith that is known uh, not simply by angels here and there, uh, in the picture, but we know it because of Christ. For wherever Christ is, there is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And all therein. And and this is why we why the angels are there to proclaim the glory 
uh, of the Christ, uh, the one who has uh, give, shed his blood for us for the forgiveness of sins. You, you talk and like, where the, uh, sorry to cut you off. I'm so no, sorry. I, I, sometimes I get excited uh, and I got to just speak and, and before I lose it. So when you were talking about this uh, with your with the, the groups that you teach or the classes, uh, it made me think of we as Christians, we're often accused of, of being closed minded. Like we're, our minds are, are restricted and we're not as enlightened as progressive secularism and maybe the atheist man you spoke about in the beginning of the show. Uh, but as you were speaking, I was seeing the reverse to be true. The Christian vision, the Christian understanding, our, our minds are open. We are open-minded. We see the bigger picture. It's the atheist. It's the secularist who rejects Christ and therefore hit the company of heaven that is a closed-minded individual. Isn't that true? Yeah, I would absolutely say so. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we're talking comfort of the soul now in this last segment, you, you brought up the joyful exorcist. Love the title of the book. Can't wait. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, as Lutherans, I don't know about my listeners, but you know, I'm very aware that, you know, Luther's baptismal right is, is, brings uh, exorcism language to it. Uh, but, but as Lutherans, we don't really talk too much about exorcisms. That's not, I guess, the first thing that I think of when I think of a Lutheran. Do we even do exorcisms in the Lutheran church? Uh, the answer is yes, of course we do. Okay. Um, we, we absolutely do do exorcisms. And exorcisms come in all forms, right? Um, Tell us I mean, about it's not, it. Yeah. It's not simply like what you see in the movies all the time, right? Uh, although I can tell you a lot of stories <laughs> <laughs> of, of things that happen. Like um, um, like my one friend, he was a pastor, woken up at 2 in the morning, and the person came to his door, eyes rolled up into the head, and and the person started reciting everything that pastor and his wife said before they went to bed. <laughs> right. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, and the pastor knew this individual. Are you guys but... getting chills out there in Radio Land? <laughs> I'm getting chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is that, that part is more common than not, even though it's not overly common. Um, but where the person uh, who is uh, a possessed actually will tell you something that only you know, uh, something you can imagine that would embarrass you and will say it to everybody else in the room. Yeah. Wow. And so you have these. So so is it psychological? Uh, the answer uh, at that point is no, it's not about there. It's not about a, a psychological or a psychosis, if you will. I mean, in fact, I mean, this is kind of one evidence that something more is going on than simply uh, somebody who has a psychological issue, right? Okay. It somebody has um, has this, but um, so so these things are real, and and pastors address them. I think the important part um, is to understand that that this is a matter of pastoral care. You know, so a lot of pe a lot of people ask me, why don't we have a rite of baptism? And I, I always say, why don't we have a right of visitation of hospitals? Or why don't we have a right of all these other rights, right? In, in other words, it is nothing else but what a pastor does daily uh, in giving spiritual care to people, uh, to, to bring the gospel, uh, to bring the good message to the people. It may sound like this is something of extraordinary experience, right, of possession, 
or or these sorts of things but we're actually doing the same thing <laughs> uh, we're always bringing spiritual care and this is the when we go to the hospital we as as pastors learn what to do in the hospital what passages of scripture we could read to the person in the hospital what mannerisms how do we offer that sort of sense of spiritual care to somebody who's dying or a crisis situation you learn these things but the same kind of spiritual care happens in these extreme cases of possession and so on. It, 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 a pastor is good for the pastor uh, and lay people to be aware of these things, of, of how we approach these kind of uh, situations in life. But it's spiritual care. And as we said earlier in the program, I mean, the first thing that Jesus does is an exorcism in Luke right. and, in, and in Mark, right? Our, our job as pastors, our first a spiritual care ministry. Um, and as the saying is, if, you're, if your spirit or your soul is right before God, then your body has hope in the day of the resurrection, right? <laughs> if your soul is not right before God, then your body has no hope. In other words, you know, uh, addressing spiritual care um, um, is, is really the first and foremost thing. And the question and, and the point of, of exorcism is how do we approach it? What are the things that we need to remember when we enter in these kind of situations? Does, and uh, does angel do do angels and demons? Um, you know, spiritual care. You're 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 drawing me to the cross, right? Because all pastoral care is to take people to Jesus, bring Jesus to people. Um, right. Do you find that there's a temptation as you study angels and demons and teach on angels and and demons that people want to get like around the cross, like they're trying to, they want to study something like, you know, like a fairy tale, like I mentioned, you know, they, they want to, they want to look at a, a fiction or a myth. They want to study angels as if it's a mythology, like they're trying to understand the Greek gods or something, you know, uh, the psychology behind the Greek gods. Is there a temptation to get away from Jesus when, and pastoral care when we look at angels and demons? Yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, when I teach on the subject, I said, when I go in to do an exorcism, where, where's my mind? And everybody says, I'm Christ. And I said, that's right. <laughs> and I keep on throughout the whole the whole presentation. I keep on going back. And my mind is in in Christ. And and uh, but like uh, at some events that I've been at um, when they and uh, and people review my class at the end of my uh, uh, my presentation, I actually play a live exorcism. You know, oh, really? I'll take, excuse me, a recording of a, of a, not a live one. <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> a recording, recording of, of an actual, exorcism. of an actual exorcism. Yeah. 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 And the point of it is that the pastor is calm. He's just praying and the person's making all these noises and the pastor's calm, right? He's nothing to win or lose. He's there. His mind's on Christ. His mind is declare the victory won. And I, I, uh, one of the comments that, uh, this happened to be with youth. And one of the comments that somebody said is that he kept on talking while I was trying to listen to the exorcism <laughs> and there wasn't a lot to hear exactly, but, but sometimes we're just simply, it's a fascination, right? Yeah. We don't know what to make of it. We're, it's, it, we can, but you know, it's kind of like monster movies, right? And, and all these things. And I'm frequently asked, I said, well, you know, pastor, should we, should we watch all these monster movies? And I said, well, I said, do you ever watch to the movies that Tolkien, you know, it was Tolkien's monsters and everything of this nature or CS Lewis uh, uses 
different witchcraft and all these things. We have a lot of these images around us, both written from Christian standpoint, if you will, and and also from uh, from all these scary movies that people just don't know what to make of it. And we're offering all these different images, these these different ideas about about what these things are. And this is where I think uh, you're right. Uh, people just they want me to to tell all the stories and they want me, but but then I real but then they learned um, right. God, the devil's not the opposite of God, and our attention is upon God all the time, right? And um, and knowing that God is there for us and all the company of heaven is there behind us um, as baptized children of God. Um, the Bible doesn't know anything about individualism. When we're alone, according to Scripture, as baptized children of God, we're still part of a bigger kingdom, and all of heaven is behind us, as even as we face something scary down the hallway, uh, according to Scripture. And and that that this is, but it is always about Christ. It is always, and our eyes don't focus away from this. And and um, and this is why I keep on reminding the people. And it's only through Christ that we we understand the world with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, much like at the Lord's Supper, right? Mm-hmm. Wherever Christ is, there is the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps the, it's uh, you know the way when we study angels and demons, we should take the approach that the angels themselves take. That whenever they're on the scene, they're always you know telling us men to not worship them, to not focus on them, to not be worried about them, but to, you know, the one they serve, Jesus, the Lord, right? Yes. Like, um, it yeah. seems like if the angel himself is going to say that, then we should be reminded of that and put that our, our focus on Christ. But harder, well, that harder is not said an than angel, done. Right? Yeah. It's not an angel if it does, right? I mean, that's, that's Paul in Galatians 1, right? That's Paul's sarcasm. <laughs> Even if the angel comes with a different gospel, right. let it be accursed. Well, the point is, then he's saying it's really not an angel, right? <laughs> That's right. It's a demon. It, it's not. I mean, this is Paul's sarcasm in Galatians one. Um, if if in fact what appears to be an angel, right, and and the angel's not bringing the gospel, then it's no angel. And right and there, is, yeah, right there is our comfort of souls, right? Because as you mentioned, um, yeah. uh, John the Baptist and 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 the pastors in Revelation can be classified as angels, right? And if, if the right. pastor stands up in the pulpit and is not delivering Jesus, right, is not rightly distinguishing between the law and the gospel and delivering the goods biblically, then he's no longer an angel. Right? That, he, he's right. he's not. Right. And I think in Revelation, the language is, you know, his light will be snuffed. The, the torch will be removed from that place, right? Um, exactly, yep. I don't know. Maybe you could tell us more, Pastor. Is there a place in Scripture where where humans are ever referred to as, as fallen angels, as demons? I mean, is that a thing? I guess false uh, prophet, right? Maybe as close as we get? I don't know. Yeah, I think that would probably be the, the case from what I recall as a false prophet. But it's all yes, got to be, but, if you're going to be an angel, whether you're you know, spiritual realm or earthly realm, you got to point people to Jesus. Right. Right. Yes. And let me add, since we're talking about about 20 uh, seconds, light of, okay, in 20 seconds, <laughs> pastor, if you go home, and you see that scary thing down the hallway <laughs> in a Western culture, we're sitting there trying to make sense of what we see and we're, we're staring at and trying to make it understand what we see. But but really, the Bible doesn't say that we always understand what we see, but how we see things and the lens in which we see things. And we do so through Christ. We do so of that greater life that God has given us, that we're, we're never deceived uh, by these things. 
Uh, much like I'll say really quickly that we have a struggle in our life. When you say, God, why is a struggle in my life? We may not know why, but God teaches us how to struggle, how to always trust in him and that life which God has so graciously given to us. Amen. we got to leave it there, unfortunately. Yep. Thanks for being on the show, Pastor Dreyer. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you back on. We'll talk more about angels and demons in the future. All right? All right. God's, God's blessings. blessings to you and to you listeners out there. You've been listening to Cross Defense. Thanks for your time, and God bless you. We'll talk to you next Monday. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.